Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Yes. All right. How many know that you can put truth in a grave, but it's not going to stay there? Truth always comes out. And today is a day of truth. We're going to study the Word of God, and the truth of God's Word is going to come out and be made alive in us, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to be wonderful. And I'm going to encourage you to take out your sermon notes, follow along, and we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 18. And I'm going to take just two verses here, 18 and 22, and we're going to hang on these verses for about five or ten minutes. And Because I, I, I want you to be strengthened by them, but I also want you to understand... Uh, really the reality of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, Christ suffered for our sins. Christ suffered for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, for all of our sins once for all. And he did that, everybody, on Calvary, on Good Friday. He suffered once for all. And of course, he died on that cross. The Bible says that he never sinned. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Who did he die for? Well, he starts out saying Christ suffered for our sins, all of our sins, and that he died for sinners, which includes all all of us, and so just by 100% participation, mass confession here, how many of you in this room say you will agree that you are a sinner? Raise your hand. Raise your hand really high. Okay, for those of you who don't have your hands up, you're a liar, and that makes you a sinner too. <laughs> it's true. Every person in this room is a sinner, and you're like, well, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not saying you're not a good person. I'm just still saying you're a sinner. Like you're just a sinner. And then I am too. I'm not any better than you are. That's for sure. Um, uh, can I tell you something? A lot of people elevate pastors. Just don't do that. We're just people. We're just people. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Me too. I miss the mark. I was thinking about this. A lot of people uh, have this sense in them, this, this, this idea that, yeah, I want to be with God and I want to go to heaven. And as far as, that, as far as I'm concerned, if my goods outweigh my bads, if my, if my positives uh, are more than my negatives, then me and God are in great shape and I'll get to go to, to heaven. And can I, can I tell you something? That's not true. It's not true at all. In, in fact, number one, write this down, that God's standard isn't just you being above average. His standard is perfection. Now, if I were to say, how many of, of you in this room are completely perfect and you've never made a mistake? Well, there should be no hands up. And if you raise your hand, your spouse would punch you because they know better. Because all of us, we know that we're just not perfect, that we are 
sinners. And, and I know that the thought is, but, but, but pastor, I'm kind of a good guy. I'm kind of a good girl. I, I do my best. I give, you know, can I tell you something? I, I want to, I, hopefully this will, this will help you out a little bit. If you were to go to a prison today, uh, to like a maximum security prison and you, and, and you meet a man or a woman who has committed murder, you would look at them and you would say, well, you are a murderer. That only makes sense. How many know what I'm talking about? It, it just makes sense. You murdered somebody, so therefore you're a murderer. Or if you've stolen something, you're a thief. If you've stolen something, you're a thief. If you've ever told a lie, what does that make you? A liar. How many, how many are encouraged so far? You're like, hey, great. The pastor's calling me names. Okay, so... But it's the truth. In fact, I'm going to bring up something, and this is not political. I don't, I don't really care where you stand on this thing. But it so points to where we are as a nation. And many of you are going to say in your mind, I saw that on the news. I saw that. Where there's this man in this congressional hearing. He's in front of a congressional panel, and he makes the statement. And, and the statement, to, to me, was laughable, not because of the setting, not because of the politics going on, but just because it's the mentality of America. And he made this statement. He said, I have lied, but I'm not a liar. And I thought to myself, you're a liar. And I don't, I don't know what he's done. I don't know if he was telling the truth or not telling the truth. I'm just saying... If, you can, if you've ever told a lie, that makes you a, a liar. Just like it makes somebody who's murdered somebody a murderer. Or somebody who's stolen something a thief. So there are lots of people that, that uh, in fact, we've seen on the news, I'm, I'm kind of a uh, sports guy, especially uh, pro football, go Packers. And... Uh, uh, To mention that word on Easter Sunday. Is that you, Shirley? Oh, <laughs> Easter of all Sundays. That hurts. We love having fun here at New Song, as you guys can tell. I love Shirley. She knows that. Um, so of, of, of all, let's say, of all the, 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 the sports casts that you've heard, you, you've heard all of the people, all of the, the pro, let's just say, let's just Bring it down to one category, pro football players. How many pro football players have been on the news, the sports networks, or just regular news, because they said a racial slur? Because they told somebody, they, they called somebody a name that was very inappropriate. It was just wrong. And they got caught, and it was videotaped, and it, it, it went viral, and all of a sudden everybody's saying, wow, you're prejudiced. And they'd say, Oh, no, 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 I, I said that word. Yeah, I, I did that, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am. And the truth of the matter is the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So those things that you have in your heart, they will come out. That's, that's why sometimes it's tough to control our words. I, I met this guy uh, one time, and he, he said, Pastor Justin, I, I just say this, kind of the same cuss word all the time. I won't tell you what it is, but... I'll say it starts with the letter S, okay? And so, and he said, why do I keep doing that? And I said, because what's coming out of your mouth is in your heart. He's like, pastor, that, that doesn't help me at all. Like, I know, but the truth of the matter is, you've been trained, you've been thoroughly trained. Somebody has put those words or you've allowed those words to go in you over and over and over again. And eventually what goes in 
the Bible says, has to come back out. So what's inside of you really does come out. And I think what you see in your life, the things that happen in your life with your words or with your action, can I tell you, it's because of something wrong in here. It's not something wrong out here. It's something wrong in here. And there's a difference. And I don't know about you, but I came to my senses one day when I was seven years old, and I knew that there was just some wrong things in here. And I knew I needed a Savior. I knew that I wasn't perfect. I knew that I had sinned. You think, what could a seven-year-old possibly repent of? I don't know, but in that moment, it was real. In that moment, I really wanted to know Jesus. In that moment, I knew that I needed a Savior. And I think there's some people in this room today that you're coming to that moment like I had and many people had as a child, but also many people had in here in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s when they, they came to the realization that said, I just need a Savior. Why? Why do you need a Savior? Because you've sinned. Because you're a sinner just like me. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now let's go back to... First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. We're going to read that again and then go straight into verse 22. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time, but he never sinned. And it's important that you read that in there. He never sinned. And, and that, that means that if God's standard is perfection, then Jesus Christ, the Son of God, met that standard. The standard that you and I could not meet. Jesus met that standard. So when he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, when he died for you and me, he was paying the penalty of our sins. Like we're the, we're the ones that deserved the punishment of our own sins. But Jesus said, no, I'll do it for them, Father. And he did. He never sinned. But he died for you and for me to bring us safely home to God. You know why Jesus did it? Because he wanted to be with us forever. Because he loves us that much. And he suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. And that's why we're here today, everybody, celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Now verse 22. Now Christ, now Christ, Jesus has gone to heaven and he is seated in the place of honor next to God and all of the angels and the authorities and the powers accept his authority. So now we have something else that's happened. Jesus not only died on the cross, but he was raised to life three days later. And then a number of days after that, he ascended into heaven in front of a lot of people, ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. And the Bible says in multiple places that he is making intercession for you and me. Like he is pleading on our behalf. He's going to God and saying, oh, look at Justin. That guy's a mess. He needs us, Father. And God says, okay, let's pour ourselves out into him. Let's fill him with, with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's empower him to live a life that he's called to live in us, God would say. Let, let me say it this way. That sometimes we get, we get that a little bit confused with, with Jesus being in heaven and he's pleading on our behalf. And, and we think that it's something that it's not. In fact, number two, write this down, that God's focus right now, Jesus' focus right now, isn't about pity. It's actually about power. 
Like, like Jesus isn't looking to God and saying, oh, Father, look at Justin. What a mess. I feel so bad for him. Boy, I wish there was something I could do to help that guy out. He's awful. He's not doing that. You know what he's doing? Jesus is looking at, at his heavenly Father and talking about me saying, hey, Justin, he just needs more of us. He needs more power. He needs more grace. He needs more mercy. He needs more love. He needs more of our presence. Let's give it to him because he needs it. He requires it. And God says, okay. See, they're not, God isn't up there having pity on us. He didn't save us so that he could pity us. He saved us so that he could show us his power. And I have lots of scripture to prove that to you today. Can I, can I tell you something? If you're saying, yeah, but I'm still struggling, and I'm struggling with this, this world, I'm struggling with life, I'm struggling with sin, I just keep doing the wrong thing, and, and you know what, as soon as I get good enough, then I'll be able to come to God and say, forgive me, and then, can I tell you something, and this is something I've told new, new Song for years now, and it's so good, I'm going to keep saying it for the rest of my life, and it's this, that your sin, you might think that your sin disqualifies you from being a Christian or being saved by God. That it disqualifies you from having a real relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God. And let me tell you, it's the exact opposite. That your sin, that you're embarrassed about, that if we looked into to your life and, 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 and everything was exposed, and you'd be so embarrassed and say, oh, I, I wish people wouldn't see that about me. Can I, can I tell you something? That that sin is actually what qualifies you for grace and for mercy and for God's love and for God's power. It doesn't disqualify you. It actually qualifies you. Because if you were perfect, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. God wouldn't have to show grace and mercy and love to us. But see, we're imperfect. We can't meet God's standard. His standard is perfection. We can't do that. And so actually, our sin it qualifies us for grace. It qualifies us for mercy. And it also qualifies us to receive the power of God at work in our lives. And I cannot wait to teach this to you. This is, this is a perfect example. Go to John chapter 20, starting in verse 11. And I'm going to teach you the story very quickly about Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary was from Magdala. It was a fishing village. If you know anything about Mary Magdalene, is, is um, actually many, many theologians believe that she was the one. Remember when, um, and some of you might not know this story, but a lot of you will. Remember when the woman came in and she started uh, uh, pouring perfume on the feet of Jesus and washing his feet and drying them with her hair and actually just kissing his feet. And she was really worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Remember that story? A lot of people believe that to be Mary Magdalene, but there are some theologians that believe it to be Mary of Bethany, and we don't know for sure. To be honest with you, we just don't know. But one of the things that the scripture is very clear about is that Mary Magdalene is the one that definitely had seven demons in her, and Jesus found her, discovered her, and he cast those demons out of Mary Magdalene, and she was delivered. I mean, she was set free. The thing that used to have her bound, she was no longer bound to. And so she had this incredible relationship with Jesus, that she loved Jesus, 
Let me say it like this. If you've been saved from a lot, <laughs> it's way easier to love Jesus. Like, like how many, you, like, like you feel like you need an extra dose of salvation in your life. You know what I'm talking about, right? That makes us love Jesus all the more. Because we know what we've been delivered from. We know what we've been brought out of. And it makes us love. And oh, Mary Magdalene, she loved Jesus. In fact, she's a core, a, a, a core. I don't want to say character because that makes it sound like the Bible's not real. Uh, and so I just don't like to use that word. But she's a core person throughout, throughout all four Gospels. In fact, let me tell it to you like this. That, that the story of Mary Magdalene and, and the cross and resurrection is recorded in all four Gospels. And there are many stories that are recorded just in one or two, but in not all four. But her story is in all four. In fact, let me go even further. Mary Magdalene's name is, is mentioned throughout the entirety of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is mentioned more times than many of Jesus' own disciples. Like her name, her story is talked about more than some of the apostles. Isn't that amazing? So she is a key witness to the life of Jesus Christ. And she was so close to him. She loved him so much. So much so that she was there at the crucifixion. She was there when he died. When he said, it is finished, she heard those words. And she saw him die. And now she's coming back on Resurrection Sunday. And we find this in John chapter 20, verse 11. Mary was standing outside of the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped in and looked, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting on the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. How many know he's not there now? Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. Watch your words there. Because they've taken away my Lord. They've taken away the one who was so close to me that I loved so very much. They've taken him away, and I don't know where they put him. Verse 14. So she turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. I'm going to stop right there. Let's hold that verse up on the screen just for a moment. Can I tell you that there are some people who've, who've never trusted Christ as Savior, that you've been in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you didn't know it. You've been in his very presence, and you didn't know. You didn't recognize it. Can I tell you something today? Before we go any further, you are in the presence of Jesus Christ right now. The Bible says where two or three or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, he is there with them. And his presence is in this place, and his spirit is in this place. And I just want you to recognize that before we go any further. I don't want you to be naive about that, that Jesus is here right now, and he's ready to do the miraculous right here, right now. So she didn't recognize him. Verse 15, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? As if he didn't know. Well, of course he knew. He was just starting a conversation. And she thought he was the gardener. And so she said, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. And it's almost as if she's saying, listen, I won't hold this against you. 
I'm not going to be mad at me, mad at you. I'm not going to turn you in. Just tell me where he is because I, I want to see him again. I want to make sure that he's, he's wrapped appropriately because remember they had to rush that burial and she wanted to take care of him. I mean, he was her Lord, her Savior, a deliverer. She just, she just wanted to follow through and show Jesus her affection and devotion all the way to the end. She said, I'll go and I'll get him. Watch this, verse 16. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out. Now, I looked this up, by the way. Rabboni, Rabboni. And, and um, those are kind of tricky words to hear. If you go to YouTube and say, I'm curious, YouTube gets it wrong. How many know that YouTube isn't always right? And I actually went to biblical uh, websites where you, they, it's Rabboni. Okay, so there you have it. There's a lesson for you. For all of you who've read that in the past, you said, I don't know how to say that, Rabboni. I didn't know how to say it either. Okay, so Jesus said, uh, or she, Jesus said, Mary, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And Jesus said, watch this verse 17, don't cling to me, Jesus said. I want you to mark those words for a second. For I have not yet descended to my father. Go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now, I want you to hold that thought. Jesus said to her, don't cling to me. Don't touch me. Now, it's so interesting. I've always had this question, and maybe many of you, and definitely all of you have heard this phrase in the past where people would say something to the effect of, don't be a doubting Thomas. Don't be a doubting Thomas. And that's a reference to the Bible when when Jesus, after he was resurrected to new life, he was seeing the disciples in, in the presence of the disciples. But there was one disciple, one apostle in the room that just doubted if it was Jesus, just didn't know. And Jesus went to Thomas and said, Thomas, it really, this is Justin's paraphrase, it's really me. Look at my hands. Look, go ahead, touch me. Put, he actually said this. Jesus said, put your fingers in my side. Now, Thomas obviously did that and believed. In fact, it was Thomas who eventually said, Thomas gets a bad rap because we always call him Doubting Thomas, but it was Thomas that at one point in Jesus' ministry, Thomas is the one that said, let's go with him so that we could die with him. Can I tell you something? I think Thomas has just a bad rap. But if you were seeing somebody who you saw die and all of a sudden he was alive, wouldn't you kind of question too? See, I got no issue with Thomas. And if you're questioning the reality of Jesus or God, can I tell you, I don't have any issue with you. I'm just glad that you're here asking the questions and seeking the truth and, and, and sitting in this moment saying, hey, is this real? I'm just proud of you for being here. So Thomas had that moment and he discovered that Jesus is real, that he really was raised to life. Now, go back to Mary. Jesus told Mary, don't touch me but yet he allowed Thomas to. And I've always, I've always thought, why, why is that? Because he told her, hey, I haven't ascended yet. And, and so I started studying it, started reading it, started, I not only had my thoughts, but I thought, man, these are good thoughts. I wonder if this is accurate. So I just went to a bunch of theologians and commentaries and things like that that pastors have and found out that a lot of other people have asked that question too. And what Jesus was actually saying was, Mary Magdalene, you want, you want to cling to me for who I was. 
but I want you to know me now for who I am. You're clinging to me because you love what I've done in your past, but I want you to cling to me because of your future. That's why he said, hey, I, I haven't ascended. You haven't begun to see what I'm really going to do. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Let me say it like this, everybody. Write this down. Write this down. That God wants you and he wants me to move past our pain and past our panic and experience his power. And what he's doing with Mary Magdalene is actually he's drawing her out of her past and out of the pain. And he's talking to her about the power that she's going to be receiving. He's talking about the power that he has as the resurrected Christ. Let, let me say it this way, everybody. Think about this just for a moment. That on Friday, Friday was, for all the people that loved Jesus, that was filled with great pain. Great pain. Like they saw Jesus die. Not only that, but he was beaten beyond description. They saw it. They were there. And they grieved, and they were filled with pain. And that's what we remember, right? But what about the next day? What about Saturday? Were they still in pain? Of course they were. But can I tell you what else they were feeling? Panic. Well, what do we do now? Maybe the same people that came and tortured Jesus and crucified Jesus, maybe they're going to come after us. In fact, everybody, can I tell you, the disciples were, were known for hiding out a couple of times because they were scared. They were in a panic. So there's that fear of the government, fear of those who are in control. But what about the ones, when, when Jesus asked at one point in his ministry, he said, he said hey, hey guys, you're, you're following me and you don't have to and you can go anywhere you want, Justin's paraphrase. And they looked at Jesus and they said, where do we have to go? We've given up everything to follow you. So on Saturday with Jesus dead, surely some of them had to be asking, what do I do now? Where do I go now? He was everything to me. He, he, gave, me, he, he gave me a place to, to stay. He gave me food to eat. He gave me water to drink. I traveled with him, and now he's gone, and now what do I do? I don't, I've left everything. What do I do? And they're in a panic. Can I, can I tell you, sometimes we live life the same way. We have a lot of pain, sometimes because others hurt us, and so sometimes because of other people's sins or mistakes and sometimes because of our own, right? We end up hurting ourselves sometimes, just shooting ourselves in the foot. Sometimes life is filled with panic. And can I tell you that the word of God is so incredibly clear that God doesn't want us to stay in our pain and he doesn't want to stay in our panic. The, the, most, the most used command throughout the entirety of scripture is fear not. He doesn't want you to stay in your pain, and he doesn't want you to stay in your panic. He wants to show you his power. He wants, he wants you, to, he wants you to, to experience a breakthrough in your life, and the resurrection is proof that a breakthrough is available. In fact, write that down. It's the last thing I want you to write down. Number four, that your breakthrough is tied 
to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you're looking in your life saying, man, I just need a breakthrough. I, need, I just need something to, to give way here. I just need some help. I just need some power. I just need some life. I just need some healing. I need some deliverance. I need some salvation. I just need help. Can I tell you that God wants to take you past your pain and past your panic, and he wants to show you his power. And there are those of us in the room that we have experienced and are experiencing the power of God all the time in our lives because that's who God is. He's a powerful, loving, gracious, merciful Father to us. Let, let me tell you something about me that I want to be true about you. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never trusted him as Savior, I want to tell you something about me. Because, because of the resurrection, my old status actually lies in the tomb. But my, my new status is tied to the resurrection. My old status, is it, it lies in the tomb. Justin used to be dead, but now my new status is tied to the resurrection. Now Justin is alive. I have been made, I have been made alive by Jesus Christ in me. I am no longer dead. You're looking at a man who's alive. All because of Christ. So the, the empty tomb actually represents the gift of victory over, over every fall, over every, what, what most people say mistakes, but I'm going to call it what it is, over every sin. That the empty tomb represents the gift of victory over my every sin, both past and future, they are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. All because I did one thing. All because I came to God one day and I said, God, I believe in you and I believe in your son, Jesus. And I know I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to save me. And the Bible says, and we hear this every week at New Song, everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you ask God to save you, when you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Bible says it this way, again, Justin's paraphrase, he always says yes. But Justin, I'm too dirty, I'm too unclean, I've done too much, no. Your sin actually qualifies you for the grace of God. Let me say it this way. For those of you who's like, yeah, but I, I've gone too far. I've done too much. Let me say it this way. You're more qualified than ever for the grace of God. And that is the good news. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, can you say an Amen. Come on, help me out here. There's some people that need to hear that. That our sin qualifies us for grace. It does not disqualify us. And this is your moment to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want to be made alive. I want to be made alive. I'm going to finish with one portion of scripture I did not share at the first service, but I want to share it now. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is probably my favorite book in the Bible. Definitely Ephesians 2 is my favorite chapter. 
in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He, God loves to lavish his grace. Loves it. Let me, let me say it this way. You would make God's day. You would put the biggest smile on God's face if you had this little moment says, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Save me. And I promise you, he will lavish grace upon you. And now, I want to read out of verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Watch this. That power... That power is the same. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power, this is what it's saying, the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave is the same power you can experience today if you just call upon the Lord. That's what it says. And I'm going to give you a chance right now. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I don't want anything, anybody looking around. This is a very private moment. And, and let me say it this way. That I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to have you stand up. There is a time for a public declaration, and that's baptism. And we'll have a baptism service in a couple of weeks. And if you accept Christ today, we want you to be baptized. In fact, the Bible says you should be. But today is your day, and it's a very personal moment. This is a moment between, only between you and God. And if you're in this room this morning, I've shared the gospel message with you. You're in this room, and you recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ is here, and you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you would want to come before God today and say, God, I am a sinner, but I believe in you, and I believe in your Son, and I believe in the cross, and I believe in the resurrection. Lord, save me. Save me. I promise you he'll say yes. And you'll experience the power of God in your life. And it'll, it'll only be the beginning. Because <laughs> he's going to show you more. And more and more and more. And your best days are ahead. If that's you today, you're ready to pray that simple of a prayer. But nobody looking around. I just want you to raise up your hand and hold it really, really high. Let me see who you are. All right. All right. Go ahead and put your hands down. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so very proud of you. God is so proud of you. And I'm going to pray a prayer just so simple. It's so simple. If you raised your hand, or maybe even if you didn't, you say, you know, I don't want to miss out. Then just pray a prayer that goes something like this. Heavenly Father, I believe in the gift of your son, Jesus. I believe that he was the perfect son of God. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. And I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Heavenly Father, 
Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And I call out to you today. Save me. And I thank you for doing it. And I receive my salvation now. I know it's mine. Because you give so freely. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.